this is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. And welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, proudly sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has it all daily, weekly, and season-long best ball tournaments that are literally happening 365 days of the year. Plus, you can play their pick and prop games, get five picks right, and you can win 20 times your money. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com, use the promo code TNFF, and you will get a 100% deposit match up to $100. Um, welcome in. I'm your host, Connor Donald, for this week. Uh, Jim is away on vacation. He decided to take advantage of uh, uh, Southern Bound vacation down in Florida uh, on a whim and... I said, you go ahead. You deserve it. So he is uh, enjoying that right now with the family. And joining me on the show for the second time is my guy, Chase Vernon. He is the creator of Fantasy Intervention over at Join Our Circle underscore. He's a content manager over at Trophy Smack. They're doing a ton of great work over there, um, pumping out some new content. And of course, he's a senior analyst over at Roto Underworld. Welcome aboard again, Chase. How's things? Dude, things are going great, man. Like, it's supposed to be the off-season. We're supposed to be a little bit slower, but that's not the case. I am busy right now. It's been nuts just cranking out stuff over there for Trophy Smack and for Fantasy Intervention. Uh, You know, our YouTube page has really been taking off, so that's been fun on on both companies. So, yeah, it's been fun, man. Awesome. Well, we love to hear it. And I agree, man. It has been wild. Something about like this quarterback market has just got everything going. And it just made free agency start with such a bigger bang than it usually does. So this week, we've been trying to get a tight end preview show in, free agency preview show. So we're going to focus on the tight ends and some of the stuff that's happened in free agency and some of the teams that haven't done anything at the position. Plus, we're going to talk about some of the moves that were made prior to free agency starting in the legal tampering period with the franchise tags and with some of the other trades that took place, including, you know, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz and the fantasy implications that they're going to have. But of course, make sure you check out the entire True North Fantasy Football Network. We're over on Twitter at True North FFB, YouTube, TNFF Network and on the Internet, TrueNorthFFB.com. Find the articles, the rankings, the podcast, the stream, so much more content constantly rolling there. So check it out over there. Um, and let's get right into what happened last week before everything that happened this week. Aaron Rodgers got that mega extension he was looking for. He now eats up like 25% of the $208 million cap. Not this year, but years going forward, his cap hit is going to be massive. Um, he got a four-year extension with $200 million, $153 million of it guaranteed, I do believe so. But there is a little bit of controversy now because uh, Devontae Adams says he will not play on the franchise tag, which is probably an all-important thing for Aaron Rodgers because literally all of their wide receivers are free agents, except for Amari Rodgers and Randall Cobb. 
Um, so, I mean, what were your thoughts to the Aaron Rodgers mega extension? I mean, we have to believe that it had to happen. That's He had to become the highest paid player. I think at this point, I am at the point where I'm like, this guy doesn't care to win. This guy wants to make the most money that he can make off of a team, and then he's going to peace out eventually. And I'm still not ruling out retirement at the end of next year. Still not ruling it out just because he needs to have the attention on him. But from a purely fantasy standpoint, he needs Devontae Adams, does he not? Oh, you're muted. My bad. Uh, yeah, no, he needs uh, Devontae Adams, no doubt. Like, Devontae Adams is going to be the, the guy that fuels this ship moving forward for the next couple of years. And Devontae Adams 100% will get a contract. It's just a matter of time as to when and who they, they bring on and where they can restructure certain contracts. I think that they might wait until after the draft to see who they can bring on, to see which players they actually want to extend. Because one of the biggest issues that the Saints had was they were extending players <clears throat> ahead of time without knowing what they were going to hit on in the draft. So then they got stuck with players at multiple or multiple players at the same position to where now you're paying two guys, whether it's you know first round, second round draft capital, you're also you know paying their the essential starter or the veteran on the team. So I, I think moving forward, like there's no question that Devontae Adams is going to get paid. It's just like what other receivers are they going to add and at what time. So yeah, I, I'm excited to see mm -hmm. what what happens. Yeah, I mean the rumor is he got offered 23 million a year. He turned it down. He wants 30 million a year. I don't realistically believe that Green Bay can give you know what they gave Darren Rodgers and then go and throw 30 million dollars at their their franchise wide receiver. But of course, the salary cap it's not a myth. It's there, but it's it's very vaguely there. So who knows what Green Bay can do with that? But definitely for Aaron Rodgers to be maximized, I mean, you have to have Devontae Adams in the fold. It goes without saying. As far as like the value on Aaron Rodgers, I mean, year to year, can you trust that there isn't volatility that the next year could be the last year? Like where where do you have him from on a ranking standpoint? Like, would you be taking him anywhere near like top 12 quarterbacks, or would you just be completely Go in another direction at, at, from Aaron Rodgers. Well, assuming that, that we're talking dynasty, right? Like, yes, pretty correct. Sure that's where we're ranging. Uh, it just depends on, you know, what you need for your team. Like, I, I'd be sitting there mm -hmm. and looking at acquiring him, you know, as a late QB1, early QB2 if my team is competitive. But you have to keep in mind, the Green Bay Packers ran one of the slowest offenses in the league last year. I mean, Aaron Rodgers took every single snap, you know, down to – the, the last few seconds because he wanted to see the defensive formations and where they're going. It's almost like the exact opposite of what happened with Tom Brady over the past couple of years. Tom Brady started his career being methodical, kind of running a, a slower clock. And after he got to Tampa Bay and even before he got to Tampa Bay, really, uh, he, he started speeding things up and he wanted an up-tempo type offense. Aaron Rodgers is doing the exact opposite. So you have to keep in mind, like they have two very, very good running backs. Uh, they're going to bring in receivers that we don't know if they're going to have chemistry or whatnot with Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers does not like rookie wide receivers. So even if they do draft a guy early, the first, second round, we don't know how much they're going to get utilized. And, of course, we have Devontae Adams, who's going to be hyper-efficient regardless. But, I mean, how many times, how many attempts is Aaron Rodgers going to see a game? You know, how much opportunity will he see? And really, how much is this offense going to score? Because I know this this defense wants to improve tremendously, so the offense might not have to score as often yeah i mean one has to think that maybe this is like a 
nice value tick for A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Because if you're slowing down the offense and you have two hyper-efficient running backs, maybe you're going to lean more on the run game and then let Aaron Rodgers throw the ball whenever he has to throw the ball. I mean, obviously, we're not looking at 20 attempts. You're obviously, most teams will make, you know, the low end, you're talking 30-ish pass attempts a game, 25, 30, 30. Yeah, that's the low end. So you would assume he's going to throw that often. And he's quite efficient with finding his targets and hitting his targets. It's just a matter of if they catch the ball, as we've learned with like Marcus Valdez-Scantlin in the past and stuff. Aaron Rodgers can find his target, but they got to make the catch. So I think this almost seems like a good thing for Dylan and Jones if any type of holdout goes on with Devontae Adams. Even if there isn't a holdout with Devontae Adams, I don't believe there's a ton of cap space for them to work with to bring in a lot of valuable fantasy assets. I mean, you're probably looking at the draft and saying, where are they going to draft a tight end if they don't bring Tanyan back? Like, where would they draft a tight end? Is that tight end going to be efficient? I do like you said with the rookie wide receivers. Do you trust to the Aaron Rodgers to work with a rookie wide receiver? Can we start to see Amari Rodgers emerge? There's a ton of question marks in Green Bay uh, for next year, but I think it's probably a safe bet that it might be a good idea to grab the running backs. If if I'm being honest, because they've been effective, they're good in the their run game, the pass game. Maybe you can speak to with the dose score and stuff that. Maybe they're effective. Maybe I'm completely out of left field and they're not that effective, but um, they seem to be quite effective. No, so I believe uh, Trav over there, I know that he works with you guys as well, right? You guys can follow yep. him over there at TSEAL14. Uh, Trav and, and Dave Kluge just went on to, uh, on to trophy smack or on the smack zone over there you guys can go check it out youtube.com slash trophy smack and they actually debated aaron jones versus aj Dillon as to which one's gonna be more valuable and the whole time i'm sitting there i'm like dude i'm i'm cool with either one i mean I, i'm an aj Dillon guy don't get me wrong but i'm honestly i'm cool with either player at this point and so yeah i absolutely would grab one of these two running backs in this offense they're gonna dominate 2022 I love it. Definitely a good one. So definitely go and check out that debate. You can probably get some really good information out of that debate as well. Two very intelligent guys in the community. Um, we'll move on to the next mega thing that happened last week. And then things kind of, well, I guess Tom Brady's pretty big news. But Russell Wilson got traded to the Denver Broncos. Noah Fant headed to Seattle. Who's going to be the starter in Seattle? Who knows? I mean, Jersina Anderson's reporting that they have discussed a deal for Baker Mayfield. Um, but no matter what, I feel like Noah Fant has to drop a few rungs. Holy in crap. Seattle. I am so sorry to interrupt. I am so sorry to interrupt. We just have interrupt. breaking news. Well, we break have breaking away. News. The Raiders just traded for Devontae Adams. Oh, oh, they just wow. traded for Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is no longer a Raider. Whole, I mean, oh. it's no longer a Packer. Breaking wow. news on the podcast. Wow. Holy shit. Go by Derek Carr right now. Oh, oh, that's insane. And that's the team that I had Devontae Adams going to. I thought that he was going to end up, I thought they're going to end up making a play for Devontae Adams. I did not see any way in any way, shape, or form that Devontae Adams is going to return back to the Packers. I just didn't see it. And then once they they signed him, I'm like, okay, like maybe things can end up working out. But, oh, my God, 
how pissed off is Aaron Rodgers right now? Well, he did take all the team's money, so can he really? Can we really be that? Can he be that upset? I uh, I would. I would figure that would be in somewhat of their contract agreement. Was like, hey, you got to bring, uh, you got to bring Devontae Adams back. You would assume yes, because now what do you do at the wide receiver position when we we kind of addressed it at the top of the show that it's a Murray Rogers, it's Randall Cobb, and nothing else. But I would definitely that that just, we were leaded into Russell Wilson and how crazy good the AFC West is, and the AFC West just got that much better and that much more interesting to watch. It that is by far the best division in football, and one of the divisions you want to own a. Seemingly lot of pieces of for fantasy. Oh my god, this is insane right now. I can't believe this happened in the middle of the show, man. This is cool. Um, yeah, so I think that I actually just got a question sent in. Um, did he just did Devontae Adams just remove himself outside of the first round of drafts right now? And honestly, I love Devontae Adams over there for the Raiders. He's gonna see just as many targets. Derek Carr is a very good quarterback, and we're gonna see good he is this year with Devontae Adams you know th this is a game changer this is mind-blowing and they're going to be under a, a way better offensive system for Derek Carr and for Devontae Adams I am stoked right now I am yeah so I don't excited. I don't know I don't know how that could drop him out of the first round I would think that that would keep him in the first round because you're getting a very efficient throwing quarterback in Derek Carr um and I mean and you have Darren Waller underneath and you have you still have Hunter Renfro who is still an ultra important piece to that offense and then you got Jacobs you got Drake you got a lot of pieces to look at so I would say he's never really had this type of wide receiver in in, in Vegas well Oakland Vegas wherever he's been I mean Devontae Adams is much better than than Amari Cooper so I I feel like we're not even it, it's wild I I keep it's I saw it's two prime picks in 2022 was the return. So clearly the it wasn't going back to to Green Bay and they knew they couldn't negotiate. And now I'm just curious what the contract's gonna be. Like this guy turned down $23 million a year. So he's clearly going for $25 million plus dollars a year. But if you're sitting there and you're saying, oh, I don't like Derek Carr for fantasy. So why would I go for Devontae Adams? You are completely missing the fact of how the skill of Devontae Adams. Are you completely discounting Devontae Adams, the player and the skill, because of Derek Carr? I like Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr, Derek mm -hmm. Carr's done, he's finished as a borderline quarterback one for the past four years with no receivers. He hasn't had anybody. His receivers mm -hmm. have been a guy that looks like he should be doing your taxes with Hunter Renfro. Uh, he had one good year with Zay Darren Jones, Waller, which Nelson Waller Aguilar. Wasn't good. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and you know we see what what they've done with other teams, which is absolutely nothing. I mean, mm -hmm. Derek Carr has made these players and created these players and made these players a lot of freaking money because he has nobody else to mm -hmm. throw to. This is insane for Derek Carr. Wheels up. Derek Carr is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL, and now he gets an opportunity to show the world why he's one of the best. And right I now. see Thomas in the chat. Yes, my time <laughs> my time is happening because I love Derek Carr. It, it's actually great. I, I honestly wish Jim could be on this show right now because if you've ever watched the show, me and Jim have gone back and forth because I say Derek Carr is not that bad of a quarterback. I say Derek Carr is not the greatest for fantasy, but he is uber efficient 
And if given the weapons, he could become even more efficient. You just got, there's no doubt in my mind, a top five dynasty wide receiver for Derek Carr. He has never had this. He has never, I, I, it, I would be hard pressed to argue he's had a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. And he just got a top five dynasty wide receiver. Like you can end a Darren Waller back fully healthy. Like people are going to discount it because it's Derek Carr. And that that's just, you're missing the point. You're miss the Derek Carr is the same guy who brought Darren Waller to relevance. And you don't think he's going to help keep Devonte Adams extremely relevant. Cheers. Cheers to all of the Derek Carr fans and to all the <laughs> Raiders fans out there. You guys just got a massive, massive win. Cheers to you guys. I'm excited for you. Let's go. I love it. I love it. And I mean, it feels so hard to go talking about Russell Wilson, but we need to talk about Russell Wilson. He got traded to the Denver Broncos. We'll leave. We'll push Noah Fant aside. He goes down a bunch of rungs in Seattle until we know who the quarterback is. But what do you think about Russell Wilson? More importantly, what do you think? What wide receiver do you want to own in Denver? That seems to be the biggest debate at hand. Tim Patrick is whatever. He's your late round dart throw. He could pro he can turn one play into 15 fantasy points for you, and that'd be it for like three weeks. But do you want Jerry Judy or do you want Cortland Sutton? I want I want Cortland Sutton, I think. I mean, we're looking at essentially a, a lesser version of both players slightly, although I think that Jerry Judy is more complete receiver than Tyler Lockett, or will be, maybe not right now, but will be. Um, uh, Cortland Sutton, though, man, like he has that upside potential and that ability to score touchdowns. And DK Metcalf went, ran one route, right? Like he ran, well, mm -hmm. maybe two or three routes. He ran a post, he ran a corner, and he ran a go route. That was it. That's all he ran. Cortland Sutton has the ability to have an extensive route tree because he's a much better route runner and he's much quicker when it comes to uh, being able to cut his routes. So I do like Cortland Sutton more, but if it came to drafting, if I had to pick one player or the other and they're both sitting on the board, I would take Jerry Judy because I think Jerry Judy has a higher value with his age and with his pedigree. So you can turn and get, you know, you can get more for Jerry Judy in terms of a trade and all it's going to take is one game for him to go off. And all of a sudden, everybody's going to be shouting about, you know, how great Jerry Judy is. And that's when you can flip them. Mm -hmm. Now, I like both players. It doesn't mean that I want to flip both players. But if I got Jerry Judy and somebody offered me second round in Cortland Sutton for Jerry Judy, I'd take it. Yeah. No, I mean, we've seen it. Russell Wilson can, by the way, um, they just signed uh, – Devonte Adams, their five-year, $141 million deal, which makes him the highest paid wide receiver at $28.2 million a year. Obviously, massive money. He wanted $30 million a year. He got very borderline close to it, and he will get used a ton in that offense. So you don't pay a wide receiver $28 million, and you're not going to pepper him with 120-plus targets a season. So don't you worry about who's throwing the ball. Devontae Adams is very worth it to have. Um, but as far as, for me, I was always a big Jerry Judy fan. I always thought the skill was there. I really liked him. I just couldn't figure it out. The quarterback situation was always so subpar. But we've seen Russell Wilson sustain two very relevant wide receivers. 
It's just hopefully they can be Tyler Lockett was always a good guy to have. You just never knew what week to start him. So my hope is that he can sustain two wide receivers and you can trust that they can be plugged and played consistently. Unlike Tyler Lockett, who you would play him, he'd blow, he'd give you zero. The next week you you'd sit him and he'd blow up for 25. It it just so happens to be the circumstance that the Tyler Lockett was. And then DK Metcalf, like you said, he he's that big play, you know. He he can give you that big play. He can go up over body, over people. But at the end of the day, you know, I feel like Jerry Judy and Cortland Center are both very highly skilled guys. And Russell Wilson is really going to be happy that he's got those two targets to throw to. And, of course, Albert O's value has gone through the roof because everybody's going crazy because – Russell Wilson loves tight ends, which I actually looked back. Russell Wilson hasn't really sustained much of a relevant tight end for fantasy. So wherever this storyline is coming from that he loves his tight ends, in the last five years, he hasn't sustained one of any relevancy. So maybe, maybe, you know, back a few years, he definitely did. But um, I mean, to me, as we're going to dive into the tight end position a little more, Get get value for the tight end. If Alberto spiked that much, he's not a value anymore. I don't feel like he's somebody you want to own. You want to wait and get a better value. Yeah, no, yes and no. I mean, Russell Wilson really hasn't had any tight ends. And his tight mm-hmm. ends, his starting tight ends, got Which hurt almost every single year. Like, Will Disley was on pace to do amazing things, and he gets hurt, right? Um, mm-hmm. Jacob Hollister had a couple good games in there. I mean, you have to go back to Jimmy Graham to be able to find any kind of relevant tight end that was on his roster. And Jimmy yep. Graham was, you know, on the back end of his prime at that point. So, well, at least, you know, the, the supposed prime of his career. So Russell Wilson likes to target his tight ends in the red zone. The issue was, was when they got to the red zone, the Seattle Seahawks just wanted to run the ball the whole time. You know, they just wanted to pound the rock away. So it's tough to sit there and say, hey, no tight end's been relevant with Russell Wilson when they don't pass the ball inside the red zone except for, you know, of course, the the infamous interception, right? Um, mm. You know, they, they don't pass the ball inside the red zone, and he hasn't had any good tight ends. So Aqua Boonham's not a superstar. You know, he's a fourth-round draft pick who has great athleticism. People are too high on him, and right now they're, they're pretty much buying at the ceiling, not at his, um, you know, not at, at what his value actually is with what you brought up. I don't think it's a bad pick. I just... I'd rather spend my my money elsewhere. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with uh, you on that on that point. I would definitely spend elsewhere, especially because you have to remember, there's only so many balls to go around. There's Javante Williams. Is Melvin Gordon going to come back? Obviously, they're going to bring in another running back into the fold because you're not just going to run off one running back. That's uh, that just isn't feasible in today's NFL. So we've entered into a circumstance where there's only so many balls to go around. Who's going to see them? Who's going to get the majority of them? And that's something that we have to figure out. Um, Next one, a lot uglier. After all that hype, Carson Wentz is returning to the NFC East as a Washington commander. I still got to get used to saying that. Um, What are your, what are your thoughts on, on that situation? I mean, to me, the commanders were a quarterback away, but it had to be a good quarterback. 
Carson Wentz that I don't think is, as an Eagles fan, I don't think he's that good quarterback. I don't think he's a one. I don't think he has enough weapons. I think this is a bump for Logan Thomas. You want to talk about someone who loves tight ends, who uses tight ends on mass? That is Carson Wentz. Look at Zach Ertz. Look at Dallas Goddard. Look at where they got to. He sustained two very fantasy relevant tight ends um, in Philadelphia. He just struggles with the wide receivers and making them relevant, but he's never had a Terry McLaurin or not so much comparable to Terry McLaurin type wide receiver in Philadelphia. But I mean, what are your thoughts on Carson Wentz? I mean, this is a do or die for him, honestly. <laughs> Should be do or die for Dan Snyder, to be honest. So it wasn't just the the money that that they gave up for Carson Wentz or the draft picks they gave for, for Carson Wentz. They also were forced to cut Landon Collins. They were forced to cut Matt Ioannidis, who they told them, they thought I said, hey, we're not going to cut you, and then they went and cut him anyways. So that was that pissed them off. It also forced them to not be able to re-sign Tim Settle, right? And now it keeps them out of the running of any, any of these major wide receivers. You know, they could have really used a Will Fuller or somebody who stretched the field, right, because they don't have those type of receivers. They, they you know, could have drafted a quarterback and saved money over the next few years, and I still think that they could actually draft a quarterback at 11. But it is absolutely just bizarre that instead of keeping Matt Ioannidis uh, anchor and depth to the defensive line, Tim Settle, who I don't know if would have stayed anyways because he felt like he wanted to be a starter somewhere and he probably wouldn't have seen the amount of snaps on injury. Uh, Landon Collins, right, who played very, very well for his first year playing that, you know, intermediate role as a, you know, hybrid linebacker, right? And he played inside the box. so It wasn't that big of a transition, but he still had to learn a few things. In order to bring in Carson Wentz, now you, you got rid of all these guys and you have no depth on a team that every single year annually they get injured, mm-hmm. right? Like they, they, they have, one of the, they have the notoriously worst football field to play on. Well, New York was probably changed. worse. The Meadowlands, but... Yeah, that was changed actually this past year. So Ron Rivera brought in Bermuda grass from North Carolina. <laughs> Not even kidding. Um, he, they changed the, the whole entire thing. It was like a a multi-million dollar investment to change everything. So they don't have the worst field anymore, but regardless, they don't, it's not a healthy team. They don't have the best medical staff in the world. Every single year we see these players brought in and they can't stay healthy. Anyways, Carson Wentz is okay for Logan Thomas. You know, we have to see if that's more of the system because he really didn't utilize tight end last year, right? That could have just been while he was with uh, the Eagles and had this love affair going with, with Zach Ertz. Uh, he, we could see a big jump from uh, Curtis Samuel possibly, and I think that it is very good for Terry McLaurin, who it's bad for over there is the running backs because Carson Wentz is absolutely atrocious when targeting the running backs. He throws this line drive ball and tries to take off the quarter or the running backs' heads for whatever reason when he's trying to target these running backs, and it comes in at a very low percentage. Plus, he'd much rather run a few yards and gain three yards than pass to a running back who can gain seven. So this whole thing was counterproductive for Washington. You now get a, an older quarterback with an injury history who's backed up by a quarterback with an injury history and, and a weak arm and also now lose a lot of your cap space. So Washington is going to be a team that I'm fading in my rankings all across the board, although I do think that certain things could be good for them. They would have to hit their ceiling in order to accomplish that. And there's a lot more negative things that could happen that I want nothing to do with. Definitely. I mean, we've seen it with Carson Wentz. He took a while to turn it up this past season in, in Indy when, when he got good, you know, he got good. And then, well, of course, the infamous game that bl- literally probably blew everything up was 
when they, he blew their chances to get into the playoffs, which didn't matter for fantasy. But you can see the volatility that Carson Wentz brings as a quarterback for fantasy. He can give you some stellar games, but then he can give you those real dud games and he can make a lot of bad decisions. And you talk about injuries. Carson Wentz has had his share of injuries and he's coming to a team that has, like you've said, that storied history of injuries and issues. And how good is this team with the pieces that have been taken away, that have been taken out of it is a big question. Um, but yeah, fade all around makes perfect sense. I mean, people like JD, like JD McKissick's going back there. You have Antonio Gibson, like JD McKissick probably drops a couple rungs and he already probably wasn't even that high in the first place. Logan Thomas, it depends where he is at coming off the injury and getting older. If he's, you know, a back end tight end one, we're talking like the, you know, the 11, 12 top end of the two, I'd probably be in on that. That's cheap. That's discounted enough for, for a guy like Logan Thomas with the production, he said. And Terry McLaurin, he was go. He was so rich last year, and he had such a rough season. Taylor Heineke was not that great. And is Carson Wentz that much of an upgrade over Taylor Heineke is a big question. Is it enough of an upgrade that you yeah. get what you need out of Terry McLaurin? At this point, you'd have to get a pretty big discount. He was going board, like high-end wide receiver two in drafts last year. Like, There's no way I could put that capital into him right now with such uncertainty after Carson Wentz. What if Carson Wentz doesn't work out? We're back to the well again. You're wasting Terry McLaurin, who is, I believe, 26 years old, 27 years old. Like He isn't getting younger, and you're continuing to waste prime time of his life trying to figure out your quarterback position. So I just don't know. I think there's a better decision to be made at wide receiver for you. And if you're in the running back market, there could be a better decision in the running back market as well. It's could be, it could be a very good offense from time to time. It could be an extremely volatile offense as well from time to time and week to week. So it depends with all these offenses loading up. Like you see the Raiders, you see the entire AFC West and you're sitting there saying, do I want Terry McLaurin? I would take one of the lead wide receivers from those other teams in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, Tom Brady came out of retirement. Um, I want to say I'm surprised, but I'm going to say I'm not that surprised. You, We saw what he did with the weapons. Chris Godwin got his extension. Um, is there anything more to add than they're going to be relevant? And he can sustain three wide receivers. I, I I tweeted it out the other day. He sustained from when week eight or it was week 11 to week like 16 or 17 uh, in 2020 when Antonio Bram finally got, you know, into the offense and stuff. He sustained three top 24 wide receivers. Can he do it for a whole season? Maybe not. But there's no reason I believe that Godwin goes down or Mike Evans goes down or Russell Gage goes down, who Russell Gage was probably already in the wide receiver three, four conversation. So he was probably already in the 25 through 48 conversation from a draft perspective. But I don't know. Do, do you see any loss of value here? This team throws the football a ton. At, at, at this present point, they don't have much for running backs. Gronk's not back. They've loaded up on wide receivers. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it really just depends on. I mean, Gronk's coming back. I think that's luck. But <laughs> I think it's, it's true. Much based on whether 
Leonard Fournette comes back or not. Because if Leonard Fournette, if he comes back, uh, it's going to hurt whoever the wide receiver three is on this team. Rumor out right now is that it's going to be Julio Jones. Uh, Tom Brady's, you know, trying to get him out there. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, sure, you can have three wide receiver, like wide receiver two or betters over there, but it really depends on Leonard Fournette and if they get another pass catching back. I don't care if they draft one because Tom Brady doesn't like rookie running backs. So he won't get any targets. But, yeah, if Leonard Fournette comes back, then I'm going to be a little bit more off of whoever the third receiver is on that team. I'll still be invested very heavily in Chris Godwin. Yeah, I feel like Chris Godwin, I don't think the extension will have shifted his value, but people are starting to get kind of low on him. And I don't understand why. I mean, the injuries can, can be a concern and are of concern 100%. But I just never could understand why people were getting lower on him. Um, and Mike Evans, I mean, you, you, this is a, one of the most trusted. Him and Keenan Allen are probably two of the most trusted vets, vet wide receivers that you can have. And you can probably count him to be a thousand yard receiver again next year and probably pump out a strong amount of touchdowns and still give you really good fantasy relevancy. And as for Tom Brady, I think same goes for Tom Brady as we spoke about Aaron Rodgers, although now Aaron Rodgers suddenly may take a step down if they don't have receivers for him. But if you're contending, you go for those guys. Those guys, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. But for how many more years are they going to do it? Because they've played the, the this dance with retirement over the last two, three straight years. So if you're in it to win it, you take one of those quarterbacks. If you're not in it to win it, you move off of one of those quarterbacks if you have them. I think is the best for your dynasty purposes. Um, favorite for fantasy of the three tag tight ends, Mike Gesicki, Dalton Schultz, and David Njoku all got tagged. Um, which give me put them in order. Which of the put them from favorite to least favorite? Let's see. Dalton Schultz out of this group is number one. I'll take Zach Ertz number two. I'll take Njoku number three, and I'll take Gusecki number four. Now, Gusecki is interesting, right? Because Gusecki could easily be number one. However, mm-hmm. Gusecki sucks at blocking. And in order to be a tight end in this offense, the way that the system runs, you have to be able to block. And yeah, Gusecki doesn't do that. So uh, when they tagged him, I was very intrigued. I thought that I was like, oh man, Hunter Long could be you know, the sleeper tight end that we all talk about and hope for every year. But Gusecki got tagged. And if they think that Gusecki actually can block and they start bringing him in more often and he starts running the same routes that uh, that George Kittle ran, we could be seeing a whole different animal over there from Gusecki. I mean, Gusecki is a very good receiver overall. Now, what if he doesn't block, right? What if they just use him as a receiver in that position and they just run two tight end sets, you know, have – Jalen Waddle over there with, you know, a mix of different players, Cedric Wilson. They don't even run a slot receiver. They just run the same exact offense that you saw the two tight end sets with over there in San Francisco. Now we're talking about very, very interesting because one of those tight ends has to go out for reception on passing plays, and that could be Mike Gusecki. So now you're talking about a very capable wide receiver or tight end, technically, out there running routes, especially in the red zone and whatnot. Gusecki could come down with 12 touchdowns this year. Write that down, everybody. I want, I want somebody to clip this right now. Mike Gusecki could have 12 touchdowns this upcoming season. I, I like it. It's, it's it's a bold take. And but and you know what? Like when I was looking into Mike Gusecki, he did play out wide 
the majority last year. Like he barely played in line, played a decent amount of slot, but he barely played the traditional tight end position. So one would hope that McDaniel can, you know, use him in the same way, but it's going to be a different offense. So there is a huge question mark around Mike Kosicki and how his use will be. I mean, yeah, the guy can't block to save his life, but the guy can catch a football. He can inhale targets. He's He had over 100 targets this past year. The year before that, he had 85. So he can inhale targets and he can do a lot with them. But how does that fit this new offense that now will include, you know, more of a zone look? zone run look so you're gonna have guys like chase edmonds and you're gonna have the you know the running backs are gonna be out there catching the football a lot as well and then like you said what about your traditional inline tight end the blocking tight end how involved is he gonna be in the pass game jalen waddle cedric wilson you got it, it's such a unique offense at this point because they don't have your full-on x wide receiver like that outside like they wanted will fuller to be this past year they just don't have that guy yet and are they going to get that guy or is this offense going to really run through, you know, the middle of the football field with the slot guys, the, the, the running backs and the tight ends? It, it'll be really interesting to watch because it's really shaping up to be a lot like that. Unless they go in at the draft and get like Drake London, go in there and get who's another a field stretcher, Jameson Williams, a field stretcher, a guy who's going to be that X that plays outside that you're not going to push into the slot. One of those the two guys comes to mind, either the big X or the little burner X, or the two that come to mind for me. But that would depend on draft season. But, I mean, I, I would probably agree. I'm high on Mike Kosicki because I think he can be used in that way. So, to me, I think I have it more as Kosicki, probably as it's listed, Kosicki, Schultz, and Njoku. For me, I think there's a lot of high hopes for Njoku because, you know, Hooper just got cut and, you know, what's the offense going to look like? They brought Amari Cooper in. But we have to remember, there wasn't a fully healthy Kareem Hunt last year. Dearness Johnson got uh, got the RFA, um, got the RFA tag, the right to first refusal tag. So it's going to be interesting to see how they work that offense because traditionally they worked it through the running backs. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. But are they going to keep Kareem Hunt around with the Dearness Johnson putting out $2.4 million to him? It's tough to say, but I don't know. Like, to me, Najoku got the tag, but I think that's just because they don't know what they got in him and they don't, they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do long term with him. I don't necessarily believe you're sitting there staring down and 75, 85, 90 target tight end with a massive opportunity. I think there's still a lot of work to be done and a lot to be figured out in Cleveland for me to put Najoku anywhere near the top of this list. Now, I, there's no way I'm coming off Dalton Schultz being number one, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's no way that he's not going to lead the team as long as he stays – or lead this group as long as he stays healthy because, I mean, you're now talking about taking away one of their top targets, Amari Cooper, and mm -hmm. now just having CeeDee Lamb. So Dalton Schultz was tight end three last year, or maybe it was tight end two, uh, but regard, I think it was tight end three. Regardless, like now he's going to be even more of a focal point in this offense. And I don't see Zeke taking the same workload that he had last year, so he can be passed more often. Mm. Dalton Schultz, there's no way that he will finish finish below tight end six. And when I look at Zach Ertz, I look at Njoku, I look at Gusecki, I'm like, they have to do a lot to finish inside of top uh, of tight end six. So like Schultz, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, there's no, like 
I can't see him finishing outside. All the other guys, I'm like, they have to do something right to finish inside the top six. But after Dalton Schultz, Zach Ertz is in a completely different area than what we're used to over the past couple of years. So, you know, with the Eagles, we we saw Goddard take over. You know, they're running their, their two tight end sets, but Goddard was pretty much the guy. He goes over to Arizona, and after the first few games of the season, he has like seven out of eight games or something like that where he saw uh, at least 40 snaps per game, right? Or 40 routes run per game or whatever it was. He didn't see in that span. I don't think he saw less than seven targets. And he only had one game with seven targets. All the rest of his targets were nine-plus targets. Nine-plus targets for a tight end in in seven or six out of the, those eight games. And that's the way that they want to utilize him because like it, it's the perfect offense for it. They just never have a tight end. They keep on trying to find tight ends, whether it was like Dan Arnold or Max Williams or you know whoever else they brought in, and it just never worked out for him. And now you have the actual perfect tight end to run the system. And Zach Ertz, to me, I mean, he's a lot to be top 10 for me. But he has mm-hmm. the biggest chance outside of Dalton Schultz to finish inside the top six or so. As for Njoku and as for Gusecki, everything has to go right for them in order to hit, right? Like they have to see targets. They have to be utilized right in their offense. So those two are actually on a completely different tier than I have Schultz and Ertz. But with dynasty-wise, Ertz is a little bit lower than Schultz, obviously, and probably closer to that tier because he is because of his age and because of the a tendency for tight ends to fall off when they hit like the 33 year old range. Yeah. And I mean, you have a very different look for the, or what seems like it's going to be a very different look in Arizona because they just lost Christian Kirk. AJ Green's not back yet. Although a part of me believes it's, let's not rule out that he could return once the market settles down and the money's not there for him, he may come back. But you have a very different look because you have DeAndre Hopkins, who's often injured. You have Rondale Moore, who there's a lot of questions around is how he's going to play, how he can be utilized. And then you got Zach Ertz. And like you said, he was bet he was best for fantasy in Philadelphia when he saw the most targets. He was seeing like record numbers for tight end targets. And that's when he's at his best is you pepper the guy with targets and he does with it what he can. He isn't a big yak guy. He isn't necessarily a massive touchdown guy, but he in PPR is great because if you pepper him with targets, he catches the football. And then what does he do after the fact? Well, that doesn't matter because you've already got yourself, mark yourself down for an easy five catches a game and then the yardage on top of that. So mark yourself down for at least almost 10 points every single game. And at this point, you might be really looking at that for sure with what the circumstance in Arizona. The biggest uncertainty for me is what's going to happen at the quarterback position because Kyler Murray shouldn't be doing what he's doing. Kyler Murray should be there. He should be playing. He should be a team player. He's three years away from technically being extended and making the money he wants to make. So whatever show he's putting on is just – He's just seeing everybody get paid and he's like, I want my turn when he can probably get paid a lot more if if he shuts up and plays ball next year and does a good job of it. So, I mean, hopefully things get sorted out there and, you know, Kyler Murray steps off his high horse and becomes more of a team player than an individual person like he seems to be being right now. But that's my only concern with Ertz. But they signed him for three years. So, I mean, you're safe to say this guy's going to be a part of that offense for the next one, two, three years. Even if you take him on for that that one year and see what he does 
And if he does really well, you sell him on a high, go ahead. But I mean, you're not going to buy him on a low right now or get him on a low, but I would agree with you. I think he can be top 10. Yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> um, next up, let's look at the tight end moves that have been made. Um, so I have teams that need tight ends as Indianapolis, Green Bay, the New York Giants, Tennessee Titans, the LA Chargers. And I still got Cincinnati and Tampa Bay there. Although Tampa Bay, like you said, Gronk's probably going to come back. And then from there, it doesn't matter. Cincinnati did sign um, Hayden Hurst today. So, um, yeah, that, that just happened. It was kind of like a quiet announcement. And now it's getting pushed way aside with everything going on. But, yeah, so Hayden Hurst signed with Cincinnati. I would assume they're not going to go crazy at the tight end position. Look what they did with CJ Uzuma last year. I don't think Hayden Hurst is worth a tremendous value either. I mean, I think we saw it. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, they demand the attention. Joe Mixon, they all demand a lion's share of work. And the tight end position was just like an afterthought where Uzuma, yeah, he gave you a game or two. He gave you, I think he had three games where he pumped out over 20 points. But tell me he was in your lineup for those games. It would be You'd be hard-pressed to be able to tell me that he was there and in your lineup and giving you those 20 points. Um, but, I mean, th- does that mean anything to you? Like, is there any interest there with Hayden Hurst? Not really. I mean, they didn't use the tight ends before. You know, like you brought up, it's very sporadic in terms of their usage, and they have three weapons over there that they can pass to. And once they figured out, they, they started, uh, you know, actually checking out this thing called the DOCE score. You guys can go find it over there at Fantasy Intervention com slash doce it's a it's a metric that shows when you can actually pass two pass catching running backs when they're going to succeed so we tracked it and there was only one week where they faced a bottom five team up against the dose score and did not target joe mixon at least five times so whenever they faced this these teams that were terrible up against uh dump off type running backs or pass catching running backs like or whatever yeah whenever they faced a team that was bad against one of those teams they, they targeted Mixon. So, you know, to sit there and, and think that Hayden Hurst has any kind of value moving forward, like, you got to be kidding. Like, he has nothing. It, it's done. It's done for Hayden Hurst. He might be Agreed. a good, like, last best ball pick. Yeah. Yeah, like, if it's in a best ball league where, you know, your lineup gets set for you after the fact, yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe take him late, you know, but definitely not somebody I'd be too interested in. Evan Can Ingram. I address something in the comments real quick? Fire away. All right. So Pillow Crafter over here said AFC West is insane and expect the Raiders to grab Adams. The AFC West is about to be the most exciting division I think we've ever seen in the NFL. Right? Absolutely. Like the NFC West was really good back a few years ago. But they still had like one or two bad teams occasionally. This is insane. And we get to watch essentially the AFC championship game. You could argue the Super Bowl, um, you know, if, if it wasn't all in the AFC. We get to watch that now. How many times in a season, right? How many times do each one of these teams face up against each other? And I'm so excited for it. Like, I just saw a tweet from Scott Fish saying, hey, we should, you know, realign the divisions so that that division's not <laughs> as heavy loaded. But I'm like, no, I want to watch great games, right? I, I, I think the AFC in general is going to be great. Like, I, I was looking at it yet the other day, and I was like, there's three teams I would probably safely rule out 
And then there's 13 teams who all of them have a chance at the playoffs. They can all have their shot. I would probably rule out Jacksonville, the Jets, and the Texans at this point. But the other 13 teams, you can't tell me with certainty that those other 13 teams don't have a playoff shot. They all definitely do. Even like you, there's certain teams, you just can't rule certain teams out. The Titans, Derrick Henry, Bill Belichick and the Patriots. You never count out Bill Belichick. Like there's so many factors into play in the AFC. The AFC in general is just going to be so much fun to watch. Personally, I know that Jacksonville went on a spending spree, but they went on a spending spree of like mediocre talent. Like I'm not prepared to say that they're there and this is going to the that they're going to make their run this year because the AFC's only gotten better and they just start, decided to join the party. So I feel like they're a little late compared to some of these other teams. But speaking of Jacksonville, Evan Ingram, are you, are, are you ready to buy in again? Are you ready to be hurt by Evan Ingram again in Jacksonville? So we had Rich Rebar on our show last night and we were talking about, we did FMK with him and it was between Christian Kirk um, Zay Jones and, and Evan Ingram. The thing about Evan Ingram is he's going out to a Doug Peterson system that, you know, we talked about Ertz earlier mm-hmm. where they ran two tight end sets and it was a perfect position for him. Now, Evan Ingram can't catch the ball. Like, he's incapable of it. He probably has the worst hands in the NFL. I think he's probably competing with Deontay Johnson and, like, Helen Winslow for the worst hands to ever come across the face of this earth. Who is that other wide receiver that was drafted by the Jets? Oh, man, back, like, 10 years ago, and he couldn't catch anything. Anyways, oh, uh, yeah. Hey, if you guys go in the back chat, fire. put it in the chat. It was about it was ten years ago or so. Uh, the guy who couldn't catch, but he was like a stud receiver coming out of college. Anyways, I think that Evan Ingram, if he can get his hands settled down, if he can, you know, maybe get some softer passes, some better opportunities, something like that, there's a chance he could be good. And I'm willing to take a shot on him in late rounds. When it comes to, to you know, sticking my neck out, taking him as a tight end one, like some of these people are talking about. You got to be freaking nuts to do that. He's older. He is the the issue isn't his route running, and his issue wasn't the usage, right? Because he actually did get targets until he started dropping so many balls, and then they were like, "Oh, why am I even passing to him? He's gonna drop the damn rock every time I give it to him." So then the coaches started game planning him out of the the playbook. So then he stopped getting looks. He was the third read instead of the first read. So. Mm-hmm. It's not an issue with his usage or how the coach want, coaches wanted to use him or how the quarterback you know, valued him, whatever whatever excuse you want to make. It was because he made, he played himself out of the playbook. Mm-hmm. If he ends up having the drops again, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change outside of his – he's still going to see the snaps. He's just going to become another option. He's going to fade off into the latter part of the season. However, if he can fix his hands, if he plays better with – with um, Trevor Lawrence, there shouldn't be an issue going forward. But I, I still don't want to consider him a tight end one. Maybe I definitely like when a, you when you talk 16, about 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you talk about softer passes, I definitely trust Trevor Lawrence to give a softer pass and a better pass uh, than than Daniel Jones. But yeah, a catch rate that ranked 28th among tight ends per player profiler, and uh, I think player profiler was generous here with only five drops, which ranked 10th among tight ends. But I feel like there was a lot more, or there could have been blame put on him for a lot more drops or miss. Go to the year before that. If, if you have access. Yeah, because I, I think he had like nine or something like that the year before that. Uh, he's always the been The year the before bottom. that, he had 10 
which Ten. ranked second among tight ends, and his catch rate ranked 37th among tight ends. It was worse. So last year was a slight improvement over the year prior, but I mean, you're catching also the ball. Less snaps because of Kyle Rudolph. That was the first time they brought in a veteran tight end who yep. actually ate into a snap counts. So he didn't see as many opportunities, I believe, as he did the, the year prior to, or the year before that, the year before that. But ever since now, years, like, the league has been bottom three in drops. They also have Dan Arnold under contract there in Jacksonville and playing and how much will he cut into because he was a massive part of that offense for a while last season. So Where did CJ Uzma go? CJ Uzma, we will talk about it. CJ Uzma and Tyler Conklin in New York. Oh, Jets. Jets. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a lot of hype. There's, so there's a ton of hype around tight ends because they all got these homes and they were like the perfect home. Like everybody wanted Trey McBride drafted to the New York Jets because they needed to fill that tight end void. Well, they got CJ Uzuma and they got Tyler Conklin. So obviously drafting Tyler Mc, or, uh, McBride there up in like round two or three where he's probably going to go probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to the Jets after he gave Uzuma three years, Conklin one year. Um, but what are your thoughts there? Are you like, are you prepared to buy into Uzuma in a different offense, or did you just not see enough of them in Cincinnati to buy into him in general? I think I'd rather buy into Tyler Conklin, to be honest. He had good hands. He could be trusted. He in certain certain circumstances. But what are your thoughts? So I. Like Tyler Conklin, I think that he's a good player, but he's more of a blocking tight end. Who's, I mean, both tight ends are gross. Like, all right, let's go back to like if if Conklin resigned with the Vikings, right? Would you take him or would you take Irv Smith Jr.? Uh, you don't really want either one at this point, like because they're going to eat into each other's targets too much, and that's how I feel about the Tyler mm -hmm. Conklin and C.J. Uzma. You know, we, we saw last year with Hunter Henry and with Johnny Smith and the Patriots. And these are two less talented tight ends where we just don't know how they're going to be utilized. And I understand that with the Jets, they love their tight ends. And we talked about the two tight end sets that they used earlier and how Mike McDaniel's carrying that, that same offense from the 49ers. And the same thing's going to happen over here. But we can see Tyler Conklin playing all of the blocking assignments that – we had with George Kittle. Meanwhile, you have CJ Uzma running all the routes and that's a very, very big possibility. So if I had to draft one, I'll take CJ Uzma, but I don't, I'm not on either one. I'm not like, Oh, I gotta have one of these guys. Yeah. It depends uh, how fact, I probably won't have getting... any shares of either one. Yeah. I mean, it depends how hyped people really get about that because they thought that was like one of the favorite optimal landing spots for a tight end in the draft and now they got free agents instead so now it becomes how hyped are they gonna get about these guys and like i mean i'm not gonna rule out cj uzuma could maybe be a guy for one year but every year we see one guy sneak into the top five of tight ends and then leave the top five and never return to relevance again i could see cj uzuma doing that for a year depending on how the offense goes but i just don't know if i trust him i don't think that there's been enough there to get me to buy in and that's the same circumstance with a lot of the tight ends that we're talking about tonight because now we got oj howard in buffalo so dawson knox goes off i think he was a tight end six based solely on touchdowns exclusively on touchdowns and the fact that the buffalo bills aggressively looked for another pass catching tight end that should have been your sign 
that you should have got out from under Dawson Knox long ago. Sure, could he be a red zone weapon? Can he be a red zone weapon? Sure, but that's just like Gabriel Davis. Now we're staring down like this high-octane passing offense with O.J. Howard, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie's back, and you got all these different names in the mix. But are you going to rely on touchdowns? We talk about touchdowns all the time on this show, and it's a sticky stat, and you don't want to be relying on a guy in fantasy to give you touchdowns, especially when they emerged for one year and did it. So to me, I don't think I want either tight end in Buffalo. I think it's pretty much Stefan Diggs or bust if you're going to look at a receiving weapon in, in Buffalo, to be honest, because he's probably the one you can trust the most to give you consistent production. Whereas I don't think you're going to find that consistency from any of these other guys. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That was easy. Simple. <laughs> what about the New York Giants? They've become a landing spot because of um, Evan Ingram and leaving. They got Ricky Seals-Jones the other day. I don't think that they're done at the tight end position. I think they draft a tight end. They only signed Ricky Seals-Jones for one season. Um, anything you want to add to that, except for wait for the draft and see what happens. Don't go buying Ricky Seals Jones or thinking that he's going to be the tight end one there. I, I don't think it really matters. They don't use the tight end enough to afford to matter. I mean, and with Sterling Shepard back with Sterling Shepard back and Kadarius Tony, hopefully both of those guys healthy, they command a fair amount of attention in the slot and in this short game short and intermediate game. So I think that only makes it worse for a tight end when you know that the targets are going to go there for those guys. And they're going to be the guys who create after the catch and do that work in the early downs. So tough on that one. Um, and then Zachary's Max Williams, who kind of touched on him. Max Williams is just, he got signed for one year. I think that was just the Arizona being, being kind to him and be saying, you, you, you got hurt. We went and we got Zach Ertz. We're going to bring you back in. We liked you in our offense. We might be able to use you periodically. But really, Zach Ertz was a big money get there. Three years, you know you're, he's going to get used. It's him. It's DeAndre Hopkins. It's Rondale Moore and Andy Isabella. And then there's a whole lot of question marks around that offense. And what are they going to do? Who's going to be the guy to get the targets? Who's going to stay healthy enough? Because, I mean, if DeAndre Hopkins goes down again, then we have a whole nother discussion to be had. Zach Ertz could be feeded, fed like 12 to 15 targets a game if DeAndre Hopkins goes down. So um, any other tight ends you want to talk about? I mean, the only remaining ones on the market to look at, Austin Hooper, Robert Tanya, Mo Alley-Cox, and Gerald Everett are the only ones left out on the market. Is there any names that you're looking at or that you're thinking about waiting on a landing spot or are you really get one of the top five dogs or get something cheap at the tight end position? I think it all just depends on how your draft plays out. I mean, I do hundreds and hundreds of drafts. So it's like, mm -hmm. like you know, I like to kind of play with like, Hey, you know, your league, right. And, and know what you're getting into with your league and have a plan for every possible outcome, every possible draft. I mean, underdog specifically, right. Your sponsor. I've done probably close to 150 drafts since the season's ended. Actually, I can tell you exactly how much I've done in a few seconds here. Um, I've done, yeah, right around there. 
Yeah, about yeah. 150 drafts or so on underdog. Um, so you kind of have to be prepared for everything. Mm-hmm. If I, I end up missing on a top tight end, there's only a couple that I'm willing to take in the mid range. And if not, I'm just loading up on tight end for like the last three or so. Uh, you know, my last three picks, I'll just pick a bunch of guys like the Adam Troutmans of the world and whatnot. Like, can you imagine how much value Adam Troutman will gain if Sean Watson lands there, right? You mm-hmm. know, like, even if it's just Jameis Winston, that's still not a bad play over there. So I, if if I end up missing on a top guy, I'll take a shot on Hawkinson, I'll take a shot on Dawson, on Dawson Knox, or not Dawson Knox, excuse me, Dalton Schultz. And then after that, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. I'll take a shot You're on Dawson Knox. Not in on Dallas Goddard in the middle? I like Dallas Goddard. I think he's good, but he has to fall to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to reach for him. Like TJ Hawkinson, yeah. I'll reach like five, five picks. You know, if it's mm-hmm. uh, if it's Dalton Schultz, I'll reach like half a round, you know, and grab them. But essentially, I want the values that come to me. And if there's, let's just say, I don't know, Ezekiel Elliott or something like that that fell a few, you know, a round or two, you know, because people don't want to invest in Ezekiel Elliott this year, I'd rather take him than, <laughs> than reaching a full round for, you know, Dawson or uh, Dalton Schultz or even Dawson Knox or Goddard or any one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So I, I, if I don't get my guys, there's a couple guys I'm comfortable with. And then after that, I'm, I'm just going to try and take a bunch of shots late. And when it comes to trading in dynasty leagues, I'm sending out as many trades as I can for some of those guys that can see an increase in their value. We talk about, you know, the Texans from this year to next year, Brevin Jordan, right? I want to draft those guys. I want to try and acquire those Absolutely. guys before we see a big jump. I want to see, I want to get the, the Adam Troutmans of the world, like we talked about earlier. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Tight end anybody, is a predictive yeah. game. You don't want to be behind because a lot of these guys, they don't maintain it for a long period of time. That's why there's always a big three, a big four, like that. That's it. There's those big guys because of the consistent guys that you can trust year in and year out. But really, tight end is one of the most volatile positions in fantasy football like i was digging in there today looking at just the average output of the tight end five versus the average where they would land as a wide receiver or running back they end up pretty much the bottom end of an rb2 wide receiver two like going into the the third tier of those guys going into the 25 to 36 range that's how volatile this position is the fifth best year in and year out on per game average is no better than going chasing after maybe uh you know a wide receiver three or an rb3 or taking a shot on one of those guys because their production will be similar on an average basis um i mean you might be able to trust the tight end to be like oh but i can trust that tight end's gonna pump out that 10 points every week but they won't necessarily see the booms like some uh, like these other guys might see they might just be a safe bet so it is a super volatile position it, it helps to know your league and it helps to really be predictive with tight ends try and be predictive stop trying to ride the evan ingram train into the ground stop trying to find those those guys who you say oh they had a really big year but it's one year out of like six years in their career and you think this is the beginning of something is so volatile and so so predictive that you need to be so 
But this was awesome, man. I'm going to shout out Trophy Smack really quickly. Um, obviously, you're, you're the content creator over there. But you can go and use promo code TNFF right now with your purchase and receive a free championship ring. That's trophysmack.com, promo code TNFF at checkout. They have over 1,000 customizable trophy combinations, championship belts, and rings to choose from. So much goodness coming from there. They got It's so fun to follow them on Twitter if you don't already follow them. Because they're always showing such cool things. I mean, they got championship belts for hockey teams, for for bowl games, and the championship belts that they create are so cool, so unique. They just did one for for Michael Fabiano and the Allison Chains League, right? That he's won now two years in a row. Michael Fabiano, he just mm-hmm. posted up. If you go to Fabiano's Twitter, you'll see it. He just uh, retweeted our tweet, but it, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous belt. And and make sure too when you go to purchase the the ring, it has to be with the purchase of a trophy as well. Or a yes. belt, and make sure that the ring and the belt or trophy are in the cart at the same time, or else the discount won't apply. So we want to make sure you guys get that discount. Make sure that both are in the cart at the same time when you go to make the purchase of the trophy and you get a free ring. Love it. Well, thank you everybody for listening, for watching, and checking us out. Make sure you rate, review, like, or subscribe absolutely everywhere. And make sure you check out Chase at FF underscore intervention, doing some great work over at, well, everywhere that he is. He's always doing great work. Trophy Smack, Fantasy Intervention, Roto Underworld. Can't even Dynasty keep Nerds. Dynasty, Dynasty Nerds. <laughs> yeah, I can't even keep up. There's just some so this is too yours. much. <laughs> so definitely have, check them out. I have like five jobs. I know far far too many to keep track of. Every time you come on, I'm oh, like, six oh, man. Actually, include my real job. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you come on, I'm it's like, good. man, I I swear he added another spot or another couple things. I like, did. do I really have to <laughs> say more things? Um, so definitely check him out. Thank you to all to all of our sponsors, Viridian Global, Trophy Smack, Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you follow Jim. Gold Jacket QBs. He's loving his vacation. I'm certain he turned off the social medias as he rightfully should. But when he gets back, make sure you send him a message. Tell him you missed him this week. And Connor did his best, but sometimes that's just not good enough to replace Jim. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Connor10. And right over Chase's head is where you can find all the True North Fantasy football uh, content. Um, Next week, Jim's going to be back, and we're really going to dive into no more tight ends. We're going to dive into the meat and potatoes of fantasy uh, free agency um, with the QBs, running backs, wide receivers, and all that, and continue rolling with this offseason. But for now, see you all next Tuesday.